Happy New Year, Marie. Happy New Year, Jodie. Have you made loads of resolutions? I'm not a resolution type person, are you? Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, I always <laughs> make loads. And then I think, I probably said this last year, whenever it gets to a new year, like a Chinese new year, I redo them. So what we need is a new year every month. Yeah, I think so. So you review your resolutions and chuck out the ones that aren't serving you and make some new ones. It's the way I work. It's your own time you're wasting. So why not stick the kettle on, put your feet up and have a cuppa? Ah... Today we have a wonderful guest, my very, very good friend Sophie. She works in a children's home in the south of England and has worked with loads of different children in the care system. Hi Sophie. Hi. Hello, welcome. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sophie also comes with an added bonus guest of her little baby. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed um, to be sleeping but he's refusing. So yeah, you may hear sounds of baby you may get aggressive raspberries at any moment <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself how did you end up working in the care system so i've worked with kids in different capacities for the last seven or maybe eight years now which makes me feel old um i started off um working with children just after i finished uni i was doing criminology and my plan was always to work with young offenders which somewhere along the line turned into working with looked after children um, which is what I've kind of focused on for the last few years. Um, yeah, so that's me, really. So you've worked with children in children's homes. Yes. What typically is the reason a child would be in a children's home? One of the biggest sort of misconceptions about children's homes at the moment is that they are a last resort. I think maybe that was the case um, a few years ago, I'd say. But it, as the system has changed... And across the board, there is a national shortage of foster families, foster homes. So children's homes are being used a lot more widely and becoming much more of a first resort. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the dynamic of children's homes has definitely changed over the years. Do you think this is um, better or worse for children that there aren't any foster carers? I think it's, I think it's worse. I think it is worse, but I think where there's been such a shift in the need for children's homes, the way that children's homes are run is being completely sort of reshuffled as well. So it's led to a much better standard of children's homes. So like, for example, in ours, um, we're in our area, we're at the forefront of, they call it the loving care ethics or model, or which is basically trying to de-institutionalise children's homes as much as possible for the children so it's a much different experience now as it was even a few years ago so for example like just the change in the language has been a big thing so like we're not staff anymore we're adults the children aren't service users anymore they're children <laughs> and young people um yeah because it's crazy service user yeah. as the name of a child is just crazy to me no, so it's one, it's, it's, yeah, there's been a big change in the way that things are running at the moment. But I do think, in most cases, children would benefit more from being in a foster home. Um, but then it's, there are some cases where children are better off in a group home. You know, it's, there's more, there's more adults, mm. it's less concentrated. Some kids really benefit from that. So yeah, I think there's different, different circumstances these days. How does it differ from kind of the children's homes of our parents and our grandparents era? Because, 
your grandma used to work in a children's home. That's true, yeah. That was bizarre when yeah, you think about yeah. it. Yeah, I think one of the biggest differences is the, the number of children and young people that you can have in the home. So now it's much more focused on much smaller homes. So in my home, there are six children. And in our two sister homes, there's five and six children. Whereas before it could be, you know, well up into the teens or even more, which is just mad. But now it's a lot more focused on the child's needs and actually what they need to um, to succeed in life and about setting them up in a way that a family would rather than in a way that, say, for example, a school would or, you know, another institution. It's more about trying to recreate now as much as we can because we understand there is limitations and it's, you know, it's never going to be a family home. But as much as we can, we try and make that the, the focus. Mm. So you mentioned schools there. As a children's home, do you work closely with the schools to make sure they're getting that wraparound care? We do, but in my experience, that's one of the biggest challenges, I would Mm. say, in my role. Because it's my job to be the voice of the child, and I think that's something it is really difficult to be an advocate for a child in schools. Because in my experience, I I know it's probably not the same across the board, but schools are quite rigid and Mm. quite set on what their their definition of a good student is and what they Mm. think a child needs and, you know, the things that they think they know aren't necessarily the things that we know to work. And I think my biggest challenge is being the advocate and, you know, I'm fighting the professionals on things that they they are set in their ways about. And in my experience, a lot of our children are in like alternate alternative educational provisions rather than mm. mainstream school because for one reason or another the mainstream school hasn't worked out for them so one of my children is in he's got a whole different curriculum so he's doing various like outdoor um outdoor education and more of a focus on sports and things like that whereas he really wants to be in mainstream school yeah but the mainstream school has decided that he's not suitable for their placement which is really difficult, really difficult. Yeah. So what can teachers do better to support and schools do better to support? I think the biggest thing would be to have patience and a bit more of an understanding of the differences in like the challenges that these kids face. I think to marginalise and to isolate a child from school, although that might be what's best for the school and mm. possibly the other students on a whole, it's never what's best for the for the child, for our children in particular. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And as well, it's to shift this, shift the mentality, Yeah, I think, because there is still a lot of stigma around looked after children and children's homes. And there's a lot of things that yeah still not necessarily um accurate in this in today's world you know (laughs) and I think it it paints our kids in quite a bad light yeah compared to how I think they should be recognized and apart from school what are some of the other challenges that children in care face I think the biggest thing in my experience is the isolation I think that's a massive thing Mm. um they feel our kids really struggle to make friends I think a big part of that is the school as well because, you know, if they're not in mainstream school, they're not getting the same opportunities and they're in smaller classes and there's not as, yeah, there's not the same experience at all. And they really struggle, I think, socially 
because of these challenges. Mm. And I think it's a lot of the time they're held to the same standard as a child who's grown up in their in their family home. Yeah. And I just I think that sets them up to fail. I don't think that's a fair way of of dealing with a looked after child. Mm. I think you have to make exceptions. Yeah. And you have to understand that you know their circumstances are entirely different. I had a a young man in my form who he wasn't a looked after child, but if he had been any younger he would have been mm. he was nearly 16 so they were trying to maintain him in the home right but his his mother was struggling with drug abuse and, and addiction and he had struggled with addiction and he used to come in in full uniform but having not done his homework mm. and i used to be the fact that he's made it to school yeah, in his so uniform much. like he's organized enough to do that the fact that he's not done his homework, I'm not going to punish that because he's done so much more That's exactly than it. everyone else has had to just to get to this point. And I understand that there is a, you know, there's a call for equality and everybody mm. wants everybody to be treated, treated the same. But I think you can't ignore what a child is coming into school from, like where yeah. they're coming from. Because I think it's such a massive part of... You know, the fact that that kid had even made it into that. Yeah, exactly. That is, is huge. And to be in uniform, those are massive things that are not easy. And, you mm. know, they face a completely different set of challenges every day that can't that shouldn't be ignored. They can't be yeah. ignored. And equality really shouldn't mean everybody's treated the same. It should mean everybody gets the support they need to reach the same level. There's yeah, that absolutely. excellent image, isn't there, about... And I can't remember the two words that they use, but, like... One of them is a picture of a shorter person and a tall yeah. person trying to look over a fence. Yeah. And then the other one, the shorter one, yeah. is got... Equity and equality. Yes, yes. And we talk a lot about privilege and stuff, and everyone as adults is encouraged to be aware of their privilege. But I guess it's kind of about teachers being aware of the lack of privilege and yeah. that actually getting to school in your uniform, having done your homework, yeah. that's a privilege. But then also it's it's the juggle of sorry, <laughs> the raspberries will come out eventually. Um, it's the juggle of not making that child feel different. Mm. That's the challenge as well, I think, which is equally important. Not calling them out and congratulating them for being in uniform or you know yeah. it's to try and manage it in a way that's subtle because a lot of these they don't want to ever admit that they're different mm. or you know that they're facing these challenges that's the last thing they want to do is bring attention to it so it's about yeah trying to find a way that works to do both which is yeah. it's not an easy thing but what's on your mind let us know your thoughts, ideas and anecdotes. Drop us a line at beyondmailbag at twinkle.co.uk So, overall, do you think the care system is working well? I mean, we hear lots of horror stories, but there must be positive aspects as well. I think the shift in the way that the, the system is working has been massive. And I think in homes such as my own, it's really evident in the way that our kids talk about us and the relationship we have with our kids is is very much, you know, like we're friends or like, you know, we're people that they trust mm. because they want to trust us, not because they're forced to. And I think there definitely is a shift in the right direction. I don't know. I wouldn't have, I would never say it's we're there. I don't think it, we should ever stop working no, on it. No. But I think it's definitely going in the right direction. For example, one of our young people recently was given the opportunity to do a radio interview with the BBC. Oh, wow. And they were very excited because um, the piece was basically on 
the fact that there are no foster families at the moment or there's very limited foster families so one of our child went on and was saying you know but they have had a really really positive they're 16 they've mm. had a hugely positive experience living in a children's home and that they would consider that their forever family because oh, the the, the post was about that these kids don't get forever families and how sad that is and they were saying oh, well hold on a minute i found my forever family in my children's mm. home oh and that was, yeah, beautiful. But I just think that really shows... Such an achievement. Yeah, it was true. We were all sobbing. I bet you were. <laughs> and we were so like, immensely proud of the work we're doing. Because I think, yeah, if, like, for example, in my grandma's era, mm. like, not one of those children would ever be able to say that honestly about the no, places they were living. No, it was definitely an institution in those days. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, there's a big step in the right direction. And I think if we keep going how we're doing, then there's there's definitely hope for the future. But just as much as there needs to be a call for foster pe- foster families as well, because it's all we're do- all working for the same cause, and you know it's all with the child at heart. And I think that's that's the thing we need to remember. Um, are there restrictions on who can become a foster parent, or is it open to? I think within reason it's open. Yeah. It seems to be uh, for some reason it's just is a huge. Mm there's a huge problem at the moment where there's just not enough and yeah. I think the problem as well is that the number of children in care is is always growing yeah which yeah. was you know you, you it's never matching up and the ratio is just so like wildly disproportionate that it's yeah. just it's a it's a yeah growing problem. I think we're seeing this in a lot of areas aren't we it's the same with SCND demand is high yeah, but resources yeah, are low exactly and funding is low well that's exactly the problem as well I think you know the, the amount that you make from a from being a foster parent it's not enough it's not yeah. the, it's not the equi- equivalent of a full-time job because that was the original idea wasn't it is your job would be caring because yeah. caring for a child is obviously difficult and takes a lot it's of time absolutely. but caring for a child with that kind of background and trauma is yeah. so much more and i think yeah it's just it is across the board it's a difficult time <laughs> COVID affect children in care? So in my experience, it was, I think it just pushed these kids further into isolation. Mm. I think with schools being shut down and, you know, all the all the restrictions that were in place, it just, it's had a massive hit, has, as it's had on most young people, yeah. or all young people, I yeah. think it's fair to say. Um, I think it definitely was exacerbated, definitely, for the kids in care, mm. because they are that much more isolated and they're that much more like far away from the mainstream and do you think that's going to have like a long lasting effect i think so yeah i think these kids really struggle socially they don't know how mm. to make friends in the same way you know as most children as most kids and young people these days it's, everything's online yeah you know like the social the social side everything's online but they can't they've struggled to maintain friendships in the same way and i think mm. yeah covid's had a huge impact on that as well is there a particular age of of the people you find in young of the young people in care homes or is it more more older more younger um, or so or? our youngest in my home at the moment is 13 but he mm. came in when he was 11 and that's quite young but yeah. re- recently so we've had another in our sister home they've had a brother and sister and the youngest is eight oh and that's really little yeah because usually those children would be going to foster parents but there's just not enough but there's just not enough out there and especially for siblings and in this situation we were lucky that we were able to keep these siblings together because that's not Mm. that's not the norm but that's something we really fought for because usually they wouldn't take a child that young 
but that's something we tried hard to do. Um, You're making me want so to go important. out and sign up as a foster mum. I know, and I think, you know, if there is anything anyone can do, then it's it's just look into it, do the research, see yeah. what you can do to support, because it's needed. It's needed across nationwide. Mm. It's needed. <laughs> I'm a teacher and someone walks into my classroom and they're a looked after child I'm given very minimal information about why and their background what can I do to support them without yeah, making them stand out yeah, and... it's a, it is difficult and it's a difficult thing to juggle I think the biggest thing is to be aware of them don't let them sort of slip through the cracks yeah I think these a lot of the young people I've worked with are very good at keeping themselves themselves and, you know, just getting on with things. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's what works, but that's yeah. what they're good at. I think be aware of, like, who they're hanging out with socially, I think is really yeah. important. What sort of friendships have they got? Is there any way that you can help support positive friendships or... Yeah. Um, you know, encouraging extracurricular stuff, sport is a massive thing, mm. drama, a massive thing, music, like, and try and encourage different outlets, I think is a huge thing you can do to support. Yeah. And be aware of their situation as much as you can, and hopefully, whoever's their carer or whatever place they're living in, should try and have some sort of working relationship with the school, because it's a very important thing to have that bridge to for the young person to feel like they're being supported across the board. Yeah, yeah. So I think as far as is, is appropriate for the teacher, I think try and get involved, try and find out what Ooh. kind of place they're living in, you know. But yeah, the big thing, like nurse their interests. Yeah. They're interested in art, amazing. Like let's talk about artists. Yeah. You like sport, yeah. brilliant. There's this club you can sign up for. Just try and be their consistent person as yeah. much as you can. And I guess that's something you can do as a form teacher. And it's harder to do yeah, as a classroom yeah, teacher. Of course, but of like I know I had a, a child who was a looked after well, who's adopted, um, but was still very involved with social services. Yeah. And just kind of that daily check in on how you doing and Yeah, you know. and not even to be up in their face about mm. it, but just give them the opportunity of like, I'm here by the way, you know, like yeah. and I think consistency is a massive thing as well because mm. a lot of these kids have been through hugely challenging things where they've never had any consistency yeah yeah and if there's any opportunity for you to be that consistent person then do it even if they're telling you to go away or they don't <laughs> want you near them fine try yeah. again the next day you know yeah just keep showing up for them yeah i agree sometimes they say these things but they don't mean them yeah do they? absolutely yeah. they're gonna push you away because that's that's what's worked for they're them sort of testing yeah, yeah. Exactly. will you come back if i push you away exactly and that's what's worked that's what's kept them safe and that's why they do these things but it's about, yeah, showing up the next day, you know, and the next yeah. day and the next day and the next day as much as you yeah. can. Yeah. And being the adult and understanding they're the child and understanding their difficulties. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a big thing that I've come across in my challenges with working with schools is that they're not as quick to be understanding. Mm. You know, they'll see the behaviour as surface level and, you know, they're aggressive or they're, they've been um, they've been rude or they're shouting or anything like that. Yeah. And then they just write that kid up as as being rude or aggressive or, you know, yeah. being un unpleasant or unkind. But I just think that's where teachers need to have more patience and more understanding. Yeah. And maybe if there was more of a, like, broad understanding of what it's like for these kids and the things that they've been through. Like, there's amazing training opportunities out there, and I've been part of some where it's 
children, um, adults that have grown up in care and come back mm. and they do talks for teachers and there's amazing training um, out there and it just gives them you know an insight into this is what it was like yes. and this is what I needed and this is what could have been better yeah I think it's really valuable really valuable you can never you can never learn enough yeah. so give us a really positive story from your career I think one of my favorites one of my favorite success stories if you will, is a girl I used to work with and I knew her when she was late teens yeah. so she'd already been in care for her whole life but when I was working with her she um yeah she was a lot older which is a lot older than what we used, we're used to yeah but she something happened with her when she changed her life around I don't even know what it was but something happened and then she suddenly decided she was going to go back to college yeah. and um it was just a huge turnaround for her because she'd come from all these things and then one day she's she's recently very recently told us that she's been accepted into uni to study medicine oh my god and it was just huge <laughs> yeah wow. it's massive it's just massive it's your own time you're wasting ramblings from beyond the classroom with marie and jody there's not a lot they don't know about teaching so lovely to have you Sophie thank you so much yeah thank you for having me I feel like I can talk for hours and just yeah thank you for giving us the space it's obviously something you're really passionate about which is great I think we can take a lot away from that do you not Jodie yeah and I think at the end of the day it's about going in with compassion if you go in with compassion and try and understand not understand because that's probably a lost cause but empathize and do your best kind of yeah understand that you don't get it i guess but yeah and thank you guys for joining us as our audience uh don't forget to like subscribe and remember that we have now moved to monthly so we will see you in one month and if you want to get in touch get in touch with us on beyond mailbag at twinkle.co.uk remember no we on twinkle good right thank you everyone and we'll see you next month thank you This podcast is proudly produced by Beyond. Please bear in mind the views and opinions expressed are those of individuals and may not represent those of Beyond or Twinkle.